Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, what is going on? Tuesday, August the 30th, 2022. Apologies if I'm running a little bit late here on this Tuesday uh, we had a dentist appointment this morning. If you really do want to know how to go get the teeth clean before game day on Saturday, appreciate you all tuning in. What is going on? As you see, yes, a new setup. Figured why not, man? I got a lot of cool stuff in the studio. Why not get it all behind me? Also, we got a new camera working today. So we're still continuing to play along with the setup or play around with the setup, I should say, play around with the camera. I'm even playing around with it right now. Uh, in regards to the overall brightness of the picture you are seeing, all that good stuff. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. What is going on? I need to plug in the charger at some point. Stephanie Lee, Jeff Gullage, Joseph Walker, Junior Lee, Harold, Cody Gaskins, Leonard, Chris Miller, Travi, John Edward, Todd Smith, Noah Johns. What's going on? Uh, C. Youngblood. Hey, shout out my guy, by the way, Dr. Ronald Wilson. Greenville smiles up here in Greenville that hooked me up this morning. Uh, got the teeth looking Right, got the teeth looking right here on a Tuesday and for this football season as well. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Very excited to chat with you all here. What do you guys think? I know I just have the random ring light, by the way, in the background. I should have moved that. I've been running around. Normally, I would have moved that. Normally, I would have gotten out of the way. There he is, Dr. Wilson. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. And it's funny. I was sitting there in there. I was like, all right, I know Dr. Wilson knows I've got this show at 12. I know he knows, so if he wants to tune in, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get it in, get it out, all that good stuff. Um, either way, guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. we got a busy show. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Also, guys, I'm very excited because this week, of course, with it being game week, right, we're going to have our weekly guests Every single day, Monday through Friday. And, of course, what that means is today's show, for the first time this season, he finally makes his return. We have my good friend, Alex McGrath, joining the show. Alex McGrath joining the show. Very excited to chat with Alex once again. And, again, guys, that's how – there's things that happen, right? There's certain content uh, there's certain, you know, when the seasons change and there's just certain things that happen when the environment changes where you're like, yep, that's a sign that football is back. That's a sign that football has returned. Alex McGrath jumping on the airwaves, that is undoubtedly a major sign that, hey, football's here. Football is here. And of course, normally I've had Alex on the show, right? I've had him on the podcast when we were doing the podcast, Monday through Friday, of course, now just doing the podcast three times, I said to myself, you know, I still want to get him on the show in some capacity, but I want to use our Wednesday podcast, right? I want to use those Wednesday podcasts to have uh, unique guest interviews, people we don't normally have on, right? So that's what I'm doing. 
figured, okay, well, let's get Alex McGrath still. It normally dropped on Tuesdays, right? Those Tuesday combos with Alex McGrath. Normally, we would, we would drop that on Tuesday. So now, every Tuesday on TDC, Alex McGrath will join us 12-15 to 12-45. By the way, if you did not see this behind me, back when old uh, TSUS was at uh, Cotton Gin. Shout out to the boys over at Cotton Gin. Love that. I'll probably play around with the TV set up the background. It's kind of what logo looks good, what logo looks the best behind me. If you will. Thank you, though, for the comments. Hey, I've been trying really hard on the setup. I really have. I feel like this is a dope setup. I like this camera. We shouldn't have a lot of refocusing issues or or any of the, the madness, the stuff we've been dealing with. And I, and I just hated, I really kind of hated the blank background. I was like, dude, I've got such a dope studio, so much cool stuff behind me. Why not set it up where you can see some of that stuff behind me? If you have any questions of what it is, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There's some cool memorabilia in here. Uh, Joseph Walker Jr., Chris, how do you feel about Desmond Umiazula? I feel really good. feel really good about Desmond um yeah man that's that's a that's a huge pickup that's a huge pickup and uh you know it happened yesterday obviously we talked yesterday but Shane Beamer just continuing to recruit the the line of scrimmage at an elite level which is what you have to do I mean what what's what excites me guys so much is this and as we jump to the phone lines I'll get to that just a second Hunter Hunter what's up man how are you hey what's going on man uh yeah so uh I have to I have a question. I don't know if I don't know if it's just me or not, but have you ever, I guess, like gotten so excited about the football game, like you start dreaming about? It? I know it's a little weird off topic, <laughs> so I just like had a dream. I had a dream about Carolina actually beating Clemson. I I know it's just a dream, but it was like eighty to three to ten. I remember the score, and yeah, I just got so 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 damn excited because you know Saturday's so close, and yeah, I got I just had a dream about it, so. I don't know if you ever get excited about that stuff. Eighty-three to ten, my friend. What what a score! That yeah, I know. Be. I know that. I know that's way out there, but I, I remember. The no, I, listen. I don't. I, I, don't <clears throat> I don't think you're crazy. I actually had a dream. I don't know how long it was. Let's say a month ago. I had a dream that uh, Rattler hit Wells on the first drive of the, of the of the season for like a long touchdown, like a sixty-yard bomb. And I woke up and was like, I hope to pray to God that's actually what happened. So. Uh, no, I mean, listen, I, no, I've certainly, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things, right? They, they say when you start, uh, you know, for me, it's, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny because they say when you start dreaming about work, that's how, you know, you're working too much. But I mean, I, I've certainly dreamed yeah, about, yeah. I've certainly dreamed about it before. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, no, we're, we're all excited. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're all excited for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I mean, I woke up like six this morning. I was like, damn, man, I'm, I, I'm Saturday. just can't get any faster because, you know, it's game week, and you just can't wait to, you know, go ahead and watch the game. Right, right. No, dude, for sure. I mean, hey, I don't blame you either. I don't blame you. So, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's going to be incredible. I mean, Saturday as a whole, the tailgate, everything involved, and, of course, the game. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited, yeah. man, to just see all the great Gamecocks and interact with people Saturday at the tailgate, like I mentioned, and before the game. And then, of course, like I said, just take it all in, man. College football's finally back. So, heck, I'm excited to watch college football games Thursday night. So, I'm pumped. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll be watching the uh, – while waiting the Carolina game, I'll be watching Texas A&M since that one that, – that one I know for sure is like at 3 o'clock, I think, is what it is, 3.30. <clears throat> right. Yeah, and I, I'll definitely – I think the game I'm most intrigued to see beside ours on Saturday is uh, definitely Arkansas-Cincinnati just because we play them week two. And I think that'll actually be a really, really good game. Really good game. So. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to get that out of my system. I didn't know if you ever had dreams about that. I know it was kind of weird off-topic kind of thing, but – you know, I just 
I'm off work this week, so I say, you know, it's for I might as well call you and just get that out of my system. Yeah, for sure, man. I love it. Yeah, man, excited for Saturday, right. bro. It's going to be a good time. Not a phone. Uh, I guess I'll uh, talk to you later. Yeah, Hunter, I appreciate it, man. Call anytime. Great stuff there from Hunter, um, <clears throat> for sure. Let's see. Brian Mobley. Yeah, you well, the only thing is UF Utah, man, it's during when we play. That's the only that's the only problem, right? That's the only problem. So you know, there, there's some good games. There's some good games Saturday night. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, of course. But uh Tommy Wallace says, Will the first series of plays be scripted? And if so, will we run the ball or throw the ball more? That's, that's a really good question, Tommy Wallace. You know. Normally, the plays are scripted in the first series of a game. You ask any coach or just listen to any coach. Most of the time, yes, they are scripted. Um, most of the time, they're scripted. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it'll depend on matchup and what they see. Do they feel like they see a matchup they can expose? You know, it's 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 really tough to it's really tough to say uh, what they'll – but I, I think we're going to come out throwing. I, I really do. Ronnie Pace got the flag. Ronnie, finally, you got the flag. Thank goodness. After months and months and months. Um, dude, love it. Love it. Garrett H., do you go over your SEC slash run your pool picks on the podcast on Wednesday? Yes, Garrett, that's what we'll do. Yes, yes. Every Wednesday show, we'll do that again. We'll do SEC gambling picks. We will do best bet as well. And I'll also just talk about whatever Shane Beamer said at uh, – and his Tuesday presser and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we'll do all that. So, that will be tomorrow's podcast. We'll also have a great conversation. Great interview, by the way, guys. I'll go ahead and tell you who it is. Uh, Corey Peoples. I don't know if you guys recall that name. Played defensive back at South Carolina but 2000, from 2002 to 2004. More importantly, though, why that name matters to you all. Corey Peoples is on Georgia State's staff right now. Yes, Corey Peoples is the secondary coach for Georgia State under Sean Elliott. So I talked to him last night, had him on the show. Really great conversation. Really cool to just kind of cross over enemy lines, if you will, though, and get the Georgia State perspective on the football game and, and just their overall thoughts. And just really, really cool. And I appreciate, uh, you know, in a time where coaches are obviously really secretive and, they, and uh, you know, they don't want to share anything hardly – I appreciate Corey Peoples, man. I, I appreciate him being so open and honest, and and being willing to come on the show and just just talk just talk about the game. You know, have lighthearted conversation. We didn't we didn't spoil any secrets or anything from the Georgia State side. I didn't get like a a scouting report on Georgia State necessarily, but uh, now I, I really appreciate him taking the time. Really good stuff and great conversation that will drop tomorrow for sure. Um, guys, also big talking point today. Shane Beamer will speak to the media at one thirty. But the depth chart dropped. The depth chart dropped last night. Did anything stand out to you guys in regards to the depth chart? Um, nothing really crazy to me. Uh, everybody's favorite punt returner, Josh Van, is back there listed as the starting punt returner yet again. Outside of that, I really didn't, you know, nothing really crazy. I mean, I, you know, a lot of, let me put it this way, a lot of oars on that depth chart, right? A lot of oars on that depth chart. A lot of different guys that are going to play. A lot of positions where they have not really figured out who they want to start, uh, which is to be expected. It's to be expected for sure. It's to be expected. But, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of oars on that depth chart. So, did anything jump out to you guys? Was there anything in particular that jumped out to you guys? Anything you saw that was a surprise or or what have you? Um, 
Let's see. Let's see. Anyways, guys, taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-337. Alex McGrath, we're working right now to get him on the show. Um, Working to get him on the show. Let me go ahead and plug this in. Here we go. Guys, again, thank you all so much. We are four days. Real quick before Alex joins us. Let's jump to the phone. Joseph, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good. Doing good, Chris. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Um, I was wondering because I once I got home last night from work, I was um doing some booking. Um, can us how what our debt charts at right now, mm-hmm. and who's all going to be starting the backup? Is there any real changes you would do to it? Because as far as I can see, I don't have a problem with it, but I wanted to see what you know your input on if you would switch players, just see who would who should who in your mind should start. Obviously, you know Spencer Rattler; he'll start. But like, if you have any other care, any other um, players who should start, in your opinion? Well, you know what's so interesting, Joe, is about the conversation is that I, I can have my opinions on you know the surprises and, and who I think who I'd like to see get more playing time or who I'd like to see get more of a look. It, it's it's interesting though when you say like, well, this guy should definitely be starting over this guy. Basically, what you're saying is you know more about the football team than the coaching staff. And if and if we ever get to a point where our fans know more about our team than our coaches, we need new coaches. That's a problem, right? So I, I I'm hesitant to say. I, I will say this: Were there was there anything that jumped out in the surprises to see Antoine Wells listed as an or with Xavier Leggett at wide receiver? That was interesting to me. Um, Corey Rucker is indeed listed yeah. on the depth chart after dealing with injuries early in the season. I don't think he plays Saturday. Maybe he does, though. Who knows? I don't think for what it's worth that he'll play. I'm sure we'll find out a lot more about that today from Shane Beamer. Thought that was interesting. Um, Jalen Brooks going to be in the rotation. He was listed as an oar behind Josh Van. And from what I had heard from people in the building, the receiver room was probably the most up in, up in the air uh, room in regards to depth and, and, and finding quality guys. Not finding quality guys, but just – the number of guys that can play in regards to winning starting positions. Um, beyond that, I mean, it's kind of wide open at running back still. I think Lloyd is listed as sort of your guy uh, there. So I, I feel good about that three-headed monster with Lloyd McDowell and Beal Smith. And defensively, um, you know, seeing Strawn at the linebacker spot, which is basically just like another edge spot, I, I think he will most certainly serve well there and be a big-time impact guy. You know, Cam Smith at the nickel that was talked about a lot of the preseason, now confirmed with him being at the nickel. So you'll have Dial and Rush at the corners. Uh, Roderick Reed, your starting safeties. So nothing really crazy, honestly, man. Nothing really crazy that jumped out. Um, I'm excited to see Nick and Warrior at the safety position. I'm excited to see uh, if Stone Blanton can crack a starting lineup at some point or get playing time. But honestly, like nothing, nothing that alarmed me per se. Nothing that really alarmed me or, or in a crazy way jumped out, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, also, another question. Um, is there any players that you can see being um, breakouts this year that just that you can see with, like, a, let's say a 90% confident rate that you say they'll break out? Is there any players on our team, whether they're starters, backups, 
Is there anyone like that that you can see right now? Oh, I mean, you know, the guys that I'm confident that are going to have a big year. Um, I mean, Jaheim Bell, definitely. I think Jaheim Bell's prime oh, for a big year. Now. I think Josh Van's going to have a big year yet again. Uh, I think Stog is sort of a forgotten guy that I think will have a big year for us. You know, if Lloyd's healthy, I think he could burst out. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a very solid year. Not saying he's going to win the Heisman, but I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, defensively, listen, I, I was hard on the kid over the weekend. I, I'd like to think Jordan Birch is going to have a solid season. I'm not even going to sit here and say he's going to have some great year, but I think he'll have his best year yet uh, in the Garnet and Black. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, I, I like Boogie Huntley up front. I, I like, uh, you know, uh, Nick Barrett and Sanders up front as well. They've been really high on those guys at tackle. The whole tackle position has depth. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I feel like you're asking me to pick one or two, and I'm, I'm just sitting here naming the whole roster. I, I'll go offensive breakout player will be Jaheim Bell because because I don't even think you know he was solid last year, but it's not like he was great. I, I think Jaheim Bell really bursts on the scene and makes makes a name for himself this year. Defensively, I, I, I will say. I will say Jordan Strawn has that breakout year on the edge up front. I think he's going to be our lead sack guy. So, I uh, yeah. So I, I think I think he'll be the breakout guy on defense. Uh, I agree with you, man. I mean, I mean, I'm only damn 20 years old, but like, I I try my best to look at statistics or look at the highlights from you know our new recruits and everything from the high school. And there's just so much promise that it seems like it's too good to be true. But then it's like once, like last year, there were so many people who from high school it looked like, oh, that's too good to be true that, you know, once they come to Carolina, they're, they're just going to not perform as well. But then they come and they dominate to the best we can do at the time. And it just gets me it gets me excited, man, because mm-hmm. I'm a diehard Carolina fan ever since I was born. It's like our it's like my family's religion, rather you're Carolina fan or you're not part of the family. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I just want to get your input on everything, man. Yeah, man. No, I, I appreciate you asking. And uh listen, I feel good about this football team. I mean, there's there's question marks to be answered for sure, but uh a lot of potential with this group. So I, I'm just excited for us to start to finally get some answers. Yeah, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. So, all right, brother. Hey, thanks so much for calling in, man. We'll talk soon. No problem, man. All right. Spurs up. Take care. Spurs up, indeed. All right, so we got him on the air. Let's go. We're getting our friend, like I told you, normally on the podcast last season, last couple of seasons, every Tuesday podcast that dropped. He was on the airwaves. Now with the podcast being Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I figured we can't go without him this football season. So we're going to do this on the Daily Crow around 1215 to 1245-ish, depending on schedules, depending on whatever's going on that day. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Alex, what's up, man? Now. What's up, baby? Now. Now it is officially football season. Because now Alex McGrath is here. <laughs> what's up, man? Dude, that's it's funny how people, you know, I, I was talking at the beginning of the show and that's how people feel, though, man. It's incredible. You know, I joked with you, I think, at the beginning of last season when I said, you know, Alex, I, I love you, but, you know, if you sucked and people hated you, I, I wouldn't bring you on here. So, <laughs> uh, the people just keep asking for more, man. They're like, dude, kickoff is near when we see that Alex McGrath is joining the airwaves. And football season, I mean, it's practically here when you jump on. It's upon us. It's, it is. I appreciate you again, man, doing this. Um, looking forward to a fantastic season. And, you know, it always flies by. So, I'll say that, uh, you know, 
let's soak it all in. Let's enjoy it. You know, we got four days till kickoff. But sincerely, man, thank you so much for taking the time and and looking forward to yet another fantastic season with you. Oh, of course, dude. Like, you know, like it's a, it's a new era. We've got things to be excited about. And my expectations are way too high for this season. So <laughs> I'm sure they will be crushed and thwarted in an epic fashion. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's so interesting, man, because you and I have come so far. And that's what's so cool is because we've been doing this for so long. So you've seen my personal journey. I've also seen your personal journey. But our journey together in regards to Carolina football, because for those who don't realize, we started doing this in 2019. And the way that the conversation has evolved from then to 2020 to now, it's been a long time since I heard you say, I think, that you had high expectations and we're, we're excited for a season. I mean, <laughs> my oh Stoked, my, how the, how, the, how the energy has shifted from the days of, well, I guess we're going to play another season this year. Oh, well, we got it. We, I, guess, <laughs> I guess we have to. We don't really have a choice. Let's just go ahead and get this thing over with. But no, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a happier spot to be in. I'll put it that way. And I, th- I think I told you like early on, I had to have been in the doldrums of 2019, I would suppose, where it was just, you know, that, that feeling to wake up on a Saturday and be excited about what was going to happen instead of being like, I don't know, we'll just see what happens. That just that mental part of it is, it's just nice to have that back. Yeah. Well, I I would just, to your point, Alex, you know, I I feel like your energy starting this, uh, it really speaks to what I've been saying, Alex, all preseason long. And that's that, you know, last year was exciting and and we had a lot of hope and optimism for a lot of off field reasons, right? You had a new head coach. Things were just different. Heck, we were just happy that, Will Muschamp wasn't on the sidelines anymore. I mean, that, that Mostly was it. that, and, yes. Right, right. And game day was just fun again. What makes this so cool, Alex, and, and just what makes me so excited, I know you so excited, is when you talk about, about the energy and the hype around South Carolina football, there are real on-field reasons to be hyped now. You know, again, last year was just, hey, get to a bowl game. It's the land of misfit toys with your roster a little bit. You know, not trying to throw any shade, but the roster wasn't where it needed to be. If you can just squeeze blood out of a rock and get yourself the six wins in a bowl, congratulations, right? This year, it's like, man, like people are realistically looking like, you know, I've, I've picked eight and four. I've picked it. I've picked a win over Clemson, God forbid. Something I just didn't think I'd ever really do until Carolina finally just turned it around themselves on the field. So, like, there's real on-field reasons to be optimistic, and that is just, you know, no matter how this season goes, I mean, listen, hope springs eternal in, in, in the offseason, the preseason. Everybody's 0-0 right now, right? Well, I guess unless you're Hawaii or Nebraska, you're not. Um, those are, those way, are tough, though, but that's okay. Right, tough way to start the year, but uh, no, nah, I mean, it, it's just to have that energy and excitement because of the product that Shane Beamer has put together on the field. It's a really good feeling going into just just year two of his tenure. I know. Well, I mean, you look even beyond that. Like the like the recruiting angle has exploded here recently, and it just it just seems like everything's moving in the right direction, and that's exciting. Yeah. In, in addition to the fact, you know, the transfer portal was quite good to us in the off season. I think you could say, and it it like the excitement of getting to see those pieces. Like, where do those pieces? fit in this broader puzzle you know because Marcus Satterfield didn't take any lack of criticism last year I think we could fairly say but now that you've given it another year and 
you know, to your point, you know, not trying to throw shade on anybody, but we're not starting a graduate assistant at quarterback. You know, now all of a sudden we have the number one quarterback recruit from three years ago pulling the trigger with his (laughs) – with a tight end that came with him from Oklahoma. And we got Josh Van back, and we got the James Madison transfer, and you got Jaheim Bell standing back there. And there's a lot of of weapons on this Mm -hmm. offense that were – lacking a year ago uh you know obviously you know line struggled a good bit last year whether that is scheme talent we're definitely going to find that out here in short order um but the way they played at the end of the year last year i think gave everybody a lot of optimism especially coming out and playing the way they did in the bowl game Mm -hmm. what does that look like now going into 2022 and if it like and again i realize this is ludicrous to even say this out loud but if you kind of look across the spectrum of what we have on the offensive side of the ball, like I don't see a lot of deficiencies against the other top competition in the conference. And that may be taking it a stretch too far, but that's just, I, I think that's realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of Bryce Young, like who's a like better quarterback than Spencer Rattler in the SEC. Yeah, on that note, Alex, somebody actually asked us in the chat earlier this morning about, Chris, do you think there's – do you think we have the quarterback advantage in every game we play this season? So it sounds like you would fall in the the camp of, yes, South Carolina, you look at it realistically, you could say they have the better quarterback in every game they play this season. I would – yeah, I would say that for sure. And I think it's fair. Listen, I think it's fair, especially – if Rattler, he doesn't ha- even have to live up to, like, the Heisman hype. If he just lives up to, like, what his recruiting profile said he was and he lives up to anything like the 2020 version of him was, I think that's a pretty fair argument. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is just leaps and bounds better than anything we've had in quite some time. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm just excited. No, for sure. And again, Alex, so much has happened since you and I last talked. And I definitely wanted to touch on the recruiting side of things because we got a lot to talk about in regards to, uh, you know, this team and this game upcoming this Saturday. But, man, what are your thoughts on recruiting? Because I'll tell you, when Shane was hired, I I wasn't even really that worried about recruiting because I felt like, hey, this is a guy that's familiar with South Carolina, right? He obviously loves South Carolina. He wants to be here, everything we heard when he was hired. But he knows this program. He understands, understands the ins and outs of it. He helped recruit some of the best players in school history. And, you know, for what it's worth, we've always been able to recruit at a good enough level, right? I mean, a top 25 caliber level. So I expected Shane Beamer to, and he was known for his recruiting prowess as well in his previous stops, Oklahoma, Georgia, et cetera. So I felt like Shane Beamer was, it wasn't going to be like South Carolina was going to take some drastic fall in recruiting. But I got to admit, I'm, I'm even I'm a little surprised that you look now, the Gamecocks are top five. 15 in recruiting right now and are seriously you could argue in the lead for the top player in the country a five-star kid who's like a freakish Jadavion Clowney type athlete and this is just after winning seven games in a mayo bowl like it's not like they (laughs) they overachieved and won 10 games last year your thoughts and again what Shane Beamer is doing in recruiting and also this Alex the way he's attacking recruiting in the sense of I think going after these immense positions of need specifically on the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. 
Well, I mean, that's kind of been his – I don't want to say his back – like, obviously, like, when – Shane was being hired in this. The major criticism levied against him was he didn't have coordinator experience and never been a head coach, yada, yada, yada. What he was heavily involved in in every single stop that he was on was being a recruiting coordinator. So he knows exactly how to put these pieces together at all the different stops that he's been at, from Virginia Tech to Georgia to Oklahoma, like these big boys that play in that space and how do they go about landing these top guys year after year after year and refilling that pipeline. And that's what you're seeing play out. And it, it also, I think it also just speaks to the environment that he's created where, you know, that hasn't existed around here in quite some time. And it's just, you know, that very player friendly, I can be a goofball, but I'm going to put together a winner. Speaking of that, Alex, again, we haven't chatted in a while. Uh, SEC Media Days came and went. Your thoughts on the uh, the Soldier Boy video from uh, from Shane Beamer that went viral on Twitter? I, mean, I thought it was funny. I mean, is it? <laughs> it feels it feels somewhat hypocritical to say that because I feel like we're kind of venturing into Dabo land on some of these things. But I thought it was funny. Hmm. And th- and then thoughts on Mark Stoops throwing shade about it though. That 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 was. Boy, that took on a life of its own. And I tell you what, that game in Lexington now, all of a sudden, I mean, Gamecock fan, we already wanted to kick their ass, but now I feel like it's just <laughs> to a whole different level, my man. That was that was that was a bold take by uh the lesser stoops, I think we can put the it. Lesser um, stoops. Oh my god. He's the lesser so, of the stoops. <laughs> god. <laughs> Jeez, that's a great way to phrase it. There's, there's Bob and then there's everybody else. Jeez. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Take that, Mark. Take that. No, Alan, yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's watching. Yeah. Hopefully he is. Um, Alex, you look at this football team again. We we've had a lot of conversation, a lot of banter. I've locked in my predictions, but I have not heard from you in quite some time. Um, you know, scrimmages have come and gone. We're now in the game week. Let's talk offense first. I know we mentioned this a little bit, I think, in the spring. But, uh, you know, you, you have Spencer Rattler. Gamecocks, by the way, by the media, we just talking SEC media days, picked to finish fifth in the SEC East. Do with that what you will. Um, <clears throat> anyways, though, you have Spencer Rattler splash out of the offseason. You talk about guys like Stogner, Wells, Van. You've got Christian Beal Smith, who you added at running back. Marshawn Lloyd returns. Juju McDowell. You got an offensive line. We Hey, we talked about it week in, week out last year. Abysmal. They were terrible, Right. But 129 career starts return. Your entire two deep is back. Alex, you have seven guys who have started six or more games in a season. So you got a, a lot of experience. And what Marcus Satterfield and this offensive crew, and of course, Marcus Satterfield is one of the biggest stories of the offense as well, because can he take the pieces he has, put them together, and put out a competent product much better than what you saw a season ago when you finished 116th in the country nationally and offense, tough. your expectations of the offense this season, because I've heard a lot of different things from a lot of different people. 30 points per game feels like the sweet spot to me. And I know that's a huge jump from last year, but this roster's made a huge jump from last year, right? You're not starting a graduate assistant at quarterback. You know, you know, it's crazy, Alex, how last year, this time we were going into the season, man, personnel, we just ain't got it. We're going to have to run the ball 90% of the time because we don't have a capable wide receiver. And now, Alex, I find myself saying, man, Marcus Satterfield's biggest job 
is finding a way to divvy up touches to all these plethora of playmakers that he has. Like, what a different storyline and what a difference a year makes. But your overall expectations, because, again, you don't want to get carried away because there's a lot of reasons why this offense will be better outside of the simple fact that they just can't really be worse than they were last year. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but your expectations, what you want to see from the offense this season as a whole. I mean, also, like right off the bat, it's just not being the downfall in football games. Like where you got you had a defense last year that was playing way out over your skis that was putting your offense in – unbelievable positions Kentucky specifically where they turn the ball over four times and we do absolutely nothing with it I don't think that's something that's going to happen this year I think 30 points a game is very very doable and really probably should be a touch higher than that Um, and if we can do I mean like truthfully if we can average that kind of number on offense and we get 70 percent of the defensive production back that we got last year it's going to be a big year because like, honestly, I like, okay. Offensive line obviously did not do what they needed to do last year. I think, you know, what you're saying where you're returning every single starter, 129 career starts between them, like that, likes let lights going to click on. And if it does, there is really no ceiling to this because you're bringing, you brought almost everybody back. Across I think, the board, I think the Gamecocks, added... I think the Gamecocks either lead or are tied for the most returning production on the offensive side of the football in the SEC. Yeah, and you added Spencer Rattler to that, who, when he's so, playing well, is one of, if not the best quarterback in college football. Yeah, and so it, it really, see, the sky's the limit on this thing. Like in my humble estimation, so I think thirty points a game would be. Like, to your point, like right on the number. I think that's – I think you probably do better than that. Now, Alex, you mentioned the defensive side. You know, I think anytime you lose a guy like Jalen Foster, who, uh, you know, accounted for a lot of turnovers last year, a lot of big plays, you have to fill his void. Devonnie Reed steps in from Central Michigan. He will – it was announced when the depth chart came out last night. He will be the starting safety in that role. Um, defensive line, still a bit of a question mark. You know, you struggled to stop the run last year. Linebackers are all back. I could argue, though, again, like you mentioned, a defense that played out above its or beyond its skis last year, uh, a defense that I think is more talented this year. My biggest concern, Alex, is just are you going to be able to generate the amount of turnovers you got last year? And if you don't, are you still going to be a quality defense? With that being said, though, I'm almost kind of splitting hairs and nitpicking because I do think this is a group. You've got talent up front. Linebackers should be better. Cam Smith's a preseason All-American. And again, it's a secondary that was top 10 in the country against the pass. Even if they take a slight step back and you're a little bit against the run, I think this should be a defense yet again under Clayton White that should be, again, it's not going to be elite. It's not going to be like Georgia last year, obviously, but it's going to be a defense that's not going to lose you football games. Correct. Yeah, no, like, and that's the thing. Like, even if they play 70%, to what they did last year, you are so far improved on the other side of the ball at this point. We think that that is going that is very much good enough to get you over that hump. Where you're right, they're not going to lose you a game, and even if they put you in a tough spot, 
now all of a sudden you've got this explosive component over here that can make up the difference. And that's what we didn't have a year ago. And we still won seven games. And so you like factor that back in now. That's, limits the sky, man. Yeah, the, the ceiling is the roof, as the great MJ once said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you this, just kind of a switching gears a little bit. When it comes to offense, defense, you know, I, I hear this a lot in regards to last year, but just in football in general, right? There's like these footballisms that people say, and but they don't – it's almost like you say it with – even if it doesn't apply, or you don't really even know what it means. It just sounds good, right? Like kids got arm talent, you know? Like what does that even mean, right? So when people say – like looking at last year, when you talk about the, you know, the, the defense did this, here's the statistics, here's the numbers. Well, the offense didn't help them out because they weren't on the field. And listen, I, I know it's a team game, right? It's a team game. Offense feeds off defense and vice versa. But there's going to be games where, hey, you're not going to have it offensively. Defense have to pick you up and vice versa. How much do you put into that? Like, like, did you watch South Carolina last year? Because, again, they, they were up against it a lot defensively, right, because the offense was so porous. Like, do you feel like it's one of those things Whereas, as each side of the ball gets better, the other side also gets better? Like, it greatly benefits? Because, I mean, on one hand, I feel like that makes sense, right, because it's a team game and you feed off each other. On the other hand, I've seen plenty of college football teams that score 50 a game and their defense is abysmal and they give up 40 a game, right? So, I mean, what do you make of that? Again, you're someone who's been on a football team, been in a locker room. Does it go hand in hand? I mean, I mean, obviously, I would think, again, you played on the offensive side. You, you're worried about what you can control. I mean, you can't, you can't control whether your defense gives up 50. Your, your job is to go score 51, right? I mean, it's so what's your take on that when people say, well, you know, the offense will be improved, so the defense is going to be massively improved. Does that make sense? Does my question make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, no, it doesn't have to work like that. What I think you saw last year was like everybody, I think what you saw more than anything else, which is, again, insanely positive, is – they had, they knew they were like when you're talking about the land of misfit toys, right? So you're kind of, you know, like in that room and in that group, like we have deficiencies. We know that. And I think it was about stepping up in that moment as a team to cover for those deficiencies. So, like, defense knew they had to play lights out and like they would be there to pick them up if something went wrong and i think that's just a team mentality that's sitting there so as the offense improves it takes that pressure off of that defensive unit to where they can play a little bit more fast and loose where where you get into those spaces where you can create turnovers where you can take that chance to go get that ball because you know you've got that backup on the other side so i think in that sense it would increase the productivity of both of those units and and two it's just like what you're playing against in practice every day too and so if that offense is sharper and crisper and you're getting better looks from them in practice during the week that's ultimately going to make your defense better too so yeah i think it does work like that now alex let's move into this game this weekend against georgia state you know as much as we all love talking about preseason stuff and i, I was joking with garcia about this but by the way that that's got to give you a good laugh too, right? Like seeing Steven on the show every Monday. Because I, dude, the clips. I know you've seen the They're clips. Again, you were on the team with him. So I feel like his former teammates have just got to be sitting there like people are just finding out and seeing what we've known forever. 
this dude's yeah. a maniac, a lovable maniac. <laughs> Like, I, like spoiler yeah. alert everybody yeah. in that locker room is a lovable maniac yeah right. like <laughs> right 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 he wasn't the only one far from he it. was not he yeah, was just but, infinitely more recognizable than the rest right of the right right but but the point i was making was just that you know we've spent all preseason breaking it down and dissecting it and and previewing it now we finally get to talk about some ball on the field so this weekend against georgia state you know, again, we sat here a year ago, damn near to the date, Alex, and talked about the season opener for the Gamecocks, year one of Shane Beamer. And, you know, I think it was a perfect season opener for game one of his era, right? It was almost like a spring game 2.0. Like, like EIU didn't belong on the field with us. But that's what we needed. We, we needed to go out, feel good, beat someone like a drum, and just get the Beamer era off to a positive start. I don't think I would have wanted to play Georgia State game one last year. Alex, I, I don't no. know that I don't think I would have no. wanted to open with them. No. Either way, though, you got Georgia State this weekend. Gamecocks are a 12-point favorite. So, so I don't think this is one of those. Again, you don't look at this like EIU. So many intriguing storylines in this one. Sean Elliott, of course, we all know who Sean Elliott is. He actually graced the airwaves, and I appreciate him doing that. Uh, former Gamecocks offensive line coach. He's now the head coach there. Corey Peoples, who I actually talked to last night, who played DB at Carolina 02 to 04. Um, he is the defensive backs coach there, secondary coach. Uh, he will be, of course, on the sidelines there. You've got Jamias Williams. I know you remember that name, who was once a oh, defensive yeah. back, is now a running back for Georgia State and almost ran for 1,000 yards last year. Jordan Strawn on our side on defense, once played for Georgia State. He goes up against them. So many intriguing storylines going to this one. What's just your early thoughts, your early view of this ball game when you first, let's just say, saw the schedule come out or when you looked at it? Because I feel like you probably are probably like me. You look at this game with a much different scope than you looked at the uh, the season opener, say, a year ago. For sure. I mean, like, East, I mean, because Eastern, I mean, yeah, Georgia State's program started 13 years ago. 13 years, 13 years ago. ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a, it's still in that building phase. I mean, Sean Elliott's done an unbelievable job with it to get it to where he's gotten it this quickly. Um, you know, so I'm looking at it comparatively to Eastern Illinois. Like, those those two aren't even in the same ballpark um, for opening game, so to speak. So, I mean, certainly this, this team's going to have a lot more of a pulse to it than <laughs> Eastern Illinois did, which is – slightly terrifying but like at the same time like we are we are just in a much different position today than we were a year ago so i i think we win the game comfortably but it's it's good they're i mean they're going to score some points so because they have you, they have talented players yeah so you've got the game cox on the minus 12 you you think south kind of does cover the number it it feels like a like a 35 14 okay to me yeah. Yeah. And I'm seeing Alex, you know, it's funny. I'm seeing a lot of lopsided predictions from people. I'm talking like 49 to seven, like, you know, 45 to 10 type deals. I, I would just say this. Cause I, again, I want you to share your perspective. Cause I talked to Garcia about this as well yesterday. And you guys were on the same team, you know, you were a part of it and we've been all watching it long enough. Season openers don't always go to plan, right? Sometimes they're no. a little wacky, you know, again, it's first game jitters for everybody. Shane Beamer's complained about this, that college football, you don't have a preseason. You don't have scrimmages against other teams. So you just don't really know what you're going to get. So we've seen the Gamecocks come out, right, and be a little bit sluggish. I'll never forget 2007, the season opener. You guys opened up with Louisiana Lafayette. 
they ran for like 280 yards, just ran all over us. And I'll never forget the following week, Carolina goes to Athens. And the boys on game day were talking about that game saying, hey, this is a defense just got ran on for 280 yards by Louisiana Lafayette. There's no way they stopped that Georgia attack with no Sean Moreno and Matthew Stafford and you know, all those five stars. They got whatever. And you guys beat Georgia in Athens. So it's, 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 you, it's, it's a very, you know, it, it's a very uh, tricky thing trying to draw conclusions from season openers and because you just never know. But I know you and I would both agree this is a very important game, not just winning, but how you win, because this one's going to set the tone for the Arkansas and the Georgia games that will follow, which, again, will obviously be much tougher tasks. Infinitely so. It's it's really just about respecting your opponent. I would say more than anything else, like knowing that you know th- th- this is not a pu- these are not pushovers. These are you know kids that are also on full scholarship at a Division One university. So this is not a walkover, and you've got to be able to convey that as a coaching staff and just have those guys ready. When they, when they put their hand on the ground, this is live, we're going, this is their Super Bowl, they're going to try to beat you. And as long as you can convey that message and keep their energy in that – because, you, I mean, ultimately, like when you're talking about Louisiana Lafayette versus going to Georgia, like your energy as a player is very different in that environment versus playing Louisiana Lafayette, who you – you know, you know, going into that kind of game that you are more talented than they are, and you know that, like, in the back of your head, you'd never like say this in a meeting or like in pregame or anything like that. You know, you're going to win that game unless something just goes horribly wrong. And so, like, that mental edge, I think, is what causes those laughs when you have those opening opponents. If you don't, if they can somehow weed that out, that that's 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 what I mean. That's what Saban talks about all the time. Like, you got to play that same way every single week, and he's done a great job in getting his guys to do that for, has it like fifteen years now? Yeah, I mean that, that's what's that's what to me is so impressive about what Alabama's built is they win these titles year after year, and they come back just as hungry the following. If not hungrier, if not yeah. hungrier, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, how does satisfaction not creep in? But again, it's it's why. Nick Saban is the GOAT, and maybe we've all learned our lesson as college football people. Let's stop hiring guys that are trying to copy him. Um, <laughs> there's only, there's only, it's there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. Yeah. Um, you know, despite the outcome or in regards to margin of victory, right, Alex, whether you win by 14 or 17 or 20, you know, I've been telling people, you know, it just because you, you know, it's not like, well, if we win by 14, we're going to win six games. If we win by 17, we're going to win seven. It's like, no. you're, you're, you're really grasping at straws. What do you want to see from this football team in the opening game? And I'll tell you, Alex, for me, simply put, line of scrimmage. Because last year, you know, you don't want to draw conclusions from a season opener, but you could argue we saw the offensive line woes very early last year when it felt like, you know, remember, I remember us talking. It's like, I don't feel like we got the push that we expected. And unfortunately, that lingered throughout the entire season. So I'm looking at line of scrimmage. I'm looking for a football team to – Listen, you're probably going to have some procedure penalties. It is week one. It's going to happen, right? You're, you're knocking off the cobwebs per se. It's week one for them, too. They're probably going to have that as well. But I'd like to see as efficient a football game as possible, a team that is in control from start to finish. I think there will be some uncomfortable moments early, but a team that's in control from start to finish. But most importantly, 
has the obvious advantage at the line of scrimmage. Because if you can't beat Georgia State up front, well, Arkansas and Georgia, I don't know what to tell you. It's not going to be a very fun afternoon against either one of those opponents. What do you most want to see from the Gamecocks in this ballgame, obviously in a victory on Saturday night? So, uh, obviously, echo line of scrimmage. I'd love to see, like, a, a clean, like, no turnovers, no stupid penalties, efficient on the offensive side of the ball where you keep it real balanced to start with. Like, that you're able to generate a lead and then work, like, so from the running back position, let's work everybody through there and see how they do in live fire. Do the exact same thing on the receiver. And, like, if you can get that 14-point, three-touchdown lead early and you can start to distribute the ball and get people a lot of live rep exercise, like, that's what I'd want to see, on, at least on the offensive side of the ball. You know, defense, you know, if you can hold them to under 350 yards – and keep it at two touchdowns, I think that's a huge win. If you can get good push from the defensive line, get, you know, three, four sacks in there, create some turnovers, like that's that's what I want to see out of this game. I want to just be super efficient and clean on offense, spread the ball around, get some guys some live rep exercise, and on the defensive side of the ball, hold them underneath that 350 number and create turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, Alex, you would probably agree. I mean, it's interesting how this schedule shakes out, right? Like, this one's going to set the tone for Arkansas. Arkansas is going to set the tone for Georgia. And you could argue Georgia is going to set the tone for the entire rest of the season. It's a very – and I'll tell you this, you know, again, we talked about it over and over and over last year. Run defense and run offense. And we're going to know about both after the first three weeks. Because there's just nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. These are three physical football teams you're going to be playing. Because, of course, I mean, again, it's Sean Elliott. They're going to be physical at the point of attack. They ran for 226 yards per game last year, Alex. I don't know if you knew that. They were eighth in the country. I did not know that. They were eighth in the country in rushing offense. And they have two guys. Again, it's Terrence Gregg and Jamias Williams, who are Doak Walker Award preseason watch list guys. Almost both of them ran for 1,000. So they pride themselves on running the football. Defense was shoddy for them. Gamecocks really should be able to. I mean, if you don't score 30-plus, I think that's a problem. Like, I, I, I don't want to set un- – I, I say I don't want to set unfair expectations, but that's fair. That, that's very fair. I, I think scoring in the mid to upper 30s I think is very doable for this group. Alex, I, I know I've had you on for a while. We're going to get you out of here. I appreciate you being great oh, no, for your time. Good. And I'm very excited to do this every single Tuesday with you. And, again, I know our audience is excited as well. But we just talked about Georgia State. I'm going to zoom out a little bit before we get you out of here and just talk this overall season because I have not got your thoughts. Again, I've locked in eight and four, four and four in conference. I'm not going to ask you for a game-by-game prediction, what have you. We've seen a lot of seven and fives. I feel like that's just sort of the, you know, people are just kind of blindly throwing the dart. Like, oh, seven and five, right? It's I don't want to, you know, the safe pick, right? Because what it says is, you know, this team was better. They're not great. You know, they're not terrible. They're, they're just a solid SEC team, right? But for a lot of fans, they struggle with that because you won seven last year with a bowl game with the carousel you had at quarterback. And now you add Spencer Rattler. You won't have those issues anymore. The roster has been upgraded exponentially. But as you've seen, obviously, we all know the schedule changes. You trade out a reeling Auburn for an up-and-coming Arkansas, which is just our luck, really. 
You still got Georgia, Clemson, and A&M on your schedule, right? You got to go to Kentucky. You got to go to Florida and take on Billy Napier and his squad, right? You got Tennessee, who feels like they're just like us. They feel like their program's on the up and up. Realistic expectations for you for this season? Because, again, I know you keep it level-headed. You keep it a buck. Is there a win total you are looking for, though, that would deem this season a success? How do you view the 2022 campaign and year two of Beamer, and I say year two because it needs to be stressed. It's just year two. But, Alex, there's no denying this is not your typical year two when you add the type of players you've added, especially with a Spencer Rattler. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this live on the internet, which I am 100% sure I am going to regret. <laughs> that said, um, I really think we win the SECs this year. You're not joking. You're, you're dead I'm ass. Not. You're, you're dead serious. Okay. I am. All right. Hey, listen. I respect all takes and all opinions. Alex McGrath just called it. You got the Gamecocks winning the SEC East. I do. Wow. Okay. I love that. I love that. Honestly, I love that. My oh my, how the context of Convo can change when you go from, again, I'm just thinking back to 2019 and how down in the dumps we were. My friend, I love that. You must, you must, I, I, hold I on, hold on. Just, you must have, you must have broke even on the golf course. Did that happen? Did you, oh, yeah. did you break par? It did. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Okay. You. That's what it is. That's what it is. All right. I, I mean, now it I, makes I just, it. If, if Alex McGrath can break 72, damn it, the Gamecocks can win the SEC East. I'm all for it. I get it. Listen, the universe has spoken. Listen, it's, it's really like, I kind of, you know, I, t- I talk to my buddies about this all the time, but it's just like, I look at it from a, like a positional breakdown, like, Offense was our Achilles heel last year. If you, like, look across the Eastern Division, like, at wide receiver, tight end, running back, offensive line, product, offensive line, continuity, total starts, like, who is better across that board than we are right now? I mean, listen. I mean, like, I, I, George, like yeah, you could say yeah. Georgia's got a better. Georgia certainly probably has a better offensive line, but I would probably say, like, from a running back standpoint, like we're pretty equal with them. I would say we're definitely equal with them from a receiver standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, no shade to Stetson Bennett, but I mean, I think if I you mean, were going to pick, <laughs> right, right, throw all the throw, shade, bro. Throw, yeah, throw I mean, shade. like you know, you right. throw like Jaheim Bell and Stogner in there at tight end. I'm just saying, right, like from a ta- like from an actual talent standpoint. To we'll your see. to listen to your point, Alex. I will say this to your point because I've had this conversation with others. Gamecock fans, we are conditioned to. We almost have to keep expectations realistic because we have been let down so many times. I mean, I'm not trying to trigger anybody. That's just that's just reality, right? But if you were to take, let's just live in a fantasy world, take the block C off, take the garnet and black off, and you just look at this football team, you could argue and say exactly what you're saying. Like, if you took the negative stigma around, well, it's Carolina, they'll do this. Yeah. At minimum, at minimum, you'd look at this team and say, 129 career starts up front, Heisman caliber quarterback, all these other guys you know, defense that overachieved and has more talent this year. You know, 
I love it, dude. I, I, I'm I just love saying. The, I I'm love just the saying. bowl pick. I love it. I love it. That's we it. need I'm more of that. We need more of that. I love that, dude. I, I, I just mean, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm very few times surprised doing this. Like honestly, like normally people are kind of giving, and this is no slight or disrespect any because my guests are awesome, very unfiltered, great. But a lot of times in interviews, you know, it's it's sort of especially I'll say this. I'll say I know what I'm trying to say, especially this preseason where it's like seven and five, seven and five, six and six, seven and five, eight and four, seven and five. I just like the same picks. I, I respect the hell out of it. I love it. Hey, <laughs> let's just go 15 and 0 to hell with it. I say, yeah, why I not? Know. Well, I don't think that's coming. Let me, let me, let me, let me pour some <laughs> cold water on that. So, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking 10 and 2 SEC East. I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like 9 and 3, 10 and 2 range. I think, I, like, I just don't think Georgia is nearly as good as they were last year just because that defense is all playing lost, on Sunday. Hey, listen, lost a lot. Lost – didn't just lose guys. Lost generational talent on the defensive side. Generational Yeah. Talent. And so, like, you, you factor that in, they're going to have to be more, way more reliant on the offensive side of the ball than they were last year. I don't know that they necessarily have the horses to get through that. I think it's super advantageous that we're playing them at noon at home. It would be better if it was at night. But it's just going to be – that's that's a big advantage for us. I think our like key pieces this year are going to be that Kentucky Tennessee stretch, mm-hmm. and Kentucky Tennessee Florida. I think are the where where you'll find the crux of this. But I think it's I, I realistically think you could probably win the East at nine and three. So we'll see. Dude, I, I love it. Listen, I love it. Why not? It's only crazy until it's not, right? You never know. And I tell you this, I tell you this, because you you already you already know what's coming. That's going to be clipped. You're going to get a bunch of texts from your buddies like Alex. Are you on no, drugs? It's fine. But you know what? You'll look like a damn genius if it happens. So I respect the <laughs> hell out of it. Hey, and I know. Listen, the beautiful thing about that, why I love that so much, is because I know you're not a garnet glasses guy. You're not just saying that to say that. You really. And you know what? If even if it doesn't happen, you know what I love about that, Alex? It just screams to what Beamer's building. The fact that people have that level of excitement and confidence in him and his team, right? That's just, it's such a, this feels so much better than where we were. I can tell you that. Yes. Speaking for all parties, it feels so much better where we are. Alex, on that note, man, I think that's a good place to close it. Again, I'm extremely excited to get you on here each and every single Tuesday. And and don't worry, don't worry. The the audience will be sure to hold us all accountable for things we say every week, just in case they don't come true. Uh, So it is. Oh, no, no. We lay lay a goose egg on Saturday. We're going to have to turn the comments off uh, next week. So if we could figure out a way to do that, that would be awesome. Hey, live by the sword, die by the sword, my friend. That's what they say. Uh, Alex, man, again, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Looking forward to doing it again next. Absolutely, buddy. All right, brother. Take care. Wow. Great stuff. Alex McGrath, you heard it, folks. Just went on record and called the Gamecocks winning the SEC East and going back to Atlanta for the first time since 2010. My goodness. And and you know what? Again, what I love about that, Alex is not a guy who's just going to fling that out there just to try to get clicks or get views. I didn't tell him to say that, obviously. Unreal. I mean, that that took me by surprise. (laughs) 
I love that. Folks, we're going to jump into a quick break, but I want to continue to hear from you more of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. What a day. What a time. What a convo. My guy, DGD, is triggered in the comments. DGD, feels good to be good, baby. Feels good to be good when you got Alex McGrath jumping on. He's talking that talk. Here we go. To accept. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Chris, it's a good thing you went to commercial after that because your phones were probably about to blow up. Yeah, I saw you calling in the second that we went to uh, a break and a call just came in as well. So, yeah, the, the phone line is blowing up for sure, man. Uh, what's up? What's going on? Listen, Alex, I, I love the enthusiasm. I love the take. But to me, this year the SEC East is going to be the best division in college football. There's no way you're losing two or three games and still winning that division. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Um, our schedule, I mean, it's a tough schedule. Um, seven and five, eight and four, I see it, but. Going nine and three, ten and two, and winning division—I I don't see that happening. Just because the East is going to be too strong this year. Yeah, I mean, listen—I I don't have us winning the SEC East either. Um, I have the Georgia Bulldogs once again winning it and actually going undefeated. But um, hey, listen—I'm all about making a bold pick. I'm all about making a bold pick and a bold prediction. And Alex wants to do that. Hey, that's totally fine, man. Right? We we respect all predictions. We respect all, even if we disagree. Right? We respect. Uh, we respect all predictions. So I, I respect Alex going out on the limb, if you will, and uh, giving his pick. And, you know, we'll see if it happens. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I love the confidence. I love the confidence and the willingness to make a pick like that. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable sticking with eight and four, right? I'm comfortable sticking with eight and four. I'm not budging off of eight and four. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I love it. I love it. I, I, I don't know. And I, I just – you know, I want everyone to know, like, I didn't tell Alex to say that. I didn't expect that. I don't know if you could see it in my face or hear it in my voice. I didn't see that coming. So, I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. Listen, if, if we go 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one and win the East, just go ahead and build Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer a statue. Dude, build Alex McGrath a statue. With that being said, I'll, I'll, I'll put an Alex McGrath shine, a shrine in the studio. You know? I mean, my goodness. And I'm going to have a beamer ball ass tat. A lot of things on the line, my guy. A lot of things on the line. <laughs> so. But, yeah, I'm excited, man. Again, I, I, I love I love Alex going down the limb and uh, making the pick. All right, so he hung up. I don't know if he lost service or what. Either way, um, I saw my guy Phil call in. Phil, please call back in because I can only, can only imagine – what you've got to say, my guy. I can only imagine what you've got to say, Phil. Would love to hear from you. Ben DeRosa says, Georgia's losing to Oregon week one. Bro, DGD is getting flustered in the comments, dog. DGD, you're getting flustered in the comments, my guy. I, I mean, listen again. I, I've got eight and four. I'd be happy with eight and four. I'd sign up for eight. And four. But I do love Alex. All right, let's jump to the phone line. 
Phil, what's up, my friend? How are you? Pretty good, my brother. How you doing? I am doing well. I appreciate you asking. What's going on? You know, I hate to be the voice of reason here, but let's everybody come back down to earth for a moment real quick. <laughs> but, Phil, it's, so, I, I it's will, so much fun up here, Phil. Don't make me come down. I, you know, clearly we haven't <laughs> lost the game that we were supposed to win yet. I mean, obviously the, the toe has not met the leather yet. In Gamecock land, when we're coming out with predictions like that. And I will go ahead and say that Alex McGrath probably has forgotten more about American football than I know. Uh, but what I do know is that we rarely, you know, have winning seasons historically at, at Carolina. And I think we've been to, what, 24 bowl games. Uh, Bear Bryant went to 29 in his coaching career. So um, let's focus on beating uh, Kentucky year in and year out before we start talking about winning the SEC East. Um, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but I just don't understand it. And some people may make the claim that making bold predictions like that and people just saying that, oh, yeah, we're going to win the East or we're going to win 10 games this year, it actually hurts the program because more people start hearing that and more people get more excited that don't know how to use their own brains. Um, and when things like that happen, the expectation for coaching staff and players get out of control. And if you lose to a team, God forbid, like, Georgia State, people are going to be real pissed off because they heard that we're going to win the SEC East um, or we win to Charlotte. You know, we lose to Charlotte or something crazy like that or, or, or just, you know, lose games that we're expected to lose. Like we've never beaten Texas A&M, not once, not a single time. And then we're talking about winning the SEC East. Like let's beat teams that we've never beaten before first before we, you know, make these grandiose statements um, that aren't in reality with the, where the program is right now. I think we win seven games. I hope that's where we – I hope you know, my my expectations every year for Carolina football with where we are right now is let's have a winning season. Let's go to a bowl game. Wouldn't that be fun? Because that doesn't really happen that often historically. That's where I am in my expectations for this uh, football program. And I think they're realistic. And I think that they're healthy as well for the program because if you start throwing things around like we're going to win the SEC East, like I said, like and those expectations are based in reality, then – you know, things start going downhill, uh, right. unfortunately. Uh, so that, that's just my perspective on it. And, um, you know, I, I hope for the best. You know, I'm looking at all kind of Carolina stuff all around my office. I have to look at two Carolina tattoos every day that are on my body. You know, there's nobody more garnet and black than I am. But I just like to live in reality, man. Like, it's just, you know, I want this program to build up and be better and better each year and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't expect us to win nine or ten games ever. Right. <laughs> and right. if it happens, that is awesome. But if it doesn't, then, hey, that's just, you know, maybe next year, right? That's, mm. that's my perspective on that. Phil, I just wanted to let you know there is a uh, tomato emoji for you from Brian Lattimore in the uh, in the YouTube chat. <laughs> no, that's not right. No, right. no, no, listen, listen, listen. I, I, I uh, you sound like me, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from and, and I think the, it's important to keep realistic expectations, dream big, right? Dream big, let your dreams run wild, but also understand sure. where you are and, and, and don't put the cart before the horse per se and, and, uh, keep the expectations realistic. Um, I, I will say, I will say, I want to go on record and say that I, I don't think that Alex McGrath has any obviously doesn't have any intentions of hurting the program by saying what he said. I, th I think, not. I think, uh, 
obviously Alex McGrath wants to do nothing but help the program, the program he obviously played for yeah. and bleeds, they're going it in black. And so I, I don't think he, I, I understand where you are coming from though, in regards to what it does, the point you're making is, you know, and it's, I'll just say this, when you get to a position that we're at, you know, just for example, with TSUS, it would be irresponsible of me to go on record mm -hmm. and to, you know, go pick this team to go 11 and one, right? It would be irresponsible yeah. because I would be setting unfair expectations for Carolina exactly. football this season. So I get where you're coming from and what you are saying, right? Because that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Because if you have improper expectations, you won't know success when it hits you in the face, right? If, you're, yeah. if your expectations are way through the roof, they're over the top, even when you have small victories that you should be happy about, they won't seem significant to you because you've unfairly set your expectations to such a level, right? And certainly, I mean, it would be just ludicrous to set expectations for a season <laughs> that, you know, we go eight and four and people are somehow upset at that. That, that would just be the most twisted thing yeah. ever, right? So, I, uh, sure. I like I've told you, Phil, and like I've said on record before, I think what you do this season, you expect seven in regards to wins. Mm -hmm. You expect seven. Yep. You hope for eight. And if you win nine or more, you're just you're you're gravy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you're just hey, Absolutely. we're on cloud nine, right? But setting yep. realistic expectations is a real thing. Obviously, I know you do that, and uh, you know a lot a lot of great points. I think you got a lot of great points for sure. So appreciate it. And I just want to say one final thing here mm -hmm. for the people that are realistic in their expectations for this program and that understand the history of Carolina football, that sort of stuff. That doesn't make us worse fans or less, you know, than fans that are more positive, uh, some might say delusional and stuff like that. We're all in this together. But, um, yeah, I, I, I hope for the best, uh, but expect, expect the worst. And uh, go Gamecocks. Uh, looking forward to the game. Bill, appreciate you, my man. Thank you so much. <clears throat> and listen, <clears throat> with that being said, we all want the same thing, right? We all want the same thing. And, and that is to go 15-0 and and to go to the SEC championship and to win every single game. So, Phil, obviously saying that, he, he is not like a doom and gloom Gamecock fan, I would say. But again, Phil just likes to keep things realistic, and that's what I respect about Phil. Um, I respect that greatly about Phil, that he's going to keep things realistic. He's going to keep it a buck, and he's not going to go over the top with things. Let's jump to the phone lines. Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? Not much. How are you doing on this I'm doing well, my guy. Hey, just to give you a heads up, we are tuning into Shane Beamer's presser at 1.30. It is 1.16 currently. I just wanted to give you a heads up on the Gotcha. Call. Yeah. Gotcha. You're, you're good. I'm not not, I'm not rushing you, just letting you know. It's all good. It's all good. First things first, if we go 11-1 and one or go undefeated, you're going to get a tattoo on your butt, and I'm going to get a shaved head, okay? Just to clarify, all right? Because my stepdad has already told me he's got the Clippers. So if we go 11 and 1 or, God forbid, go undefeated, I'm going to get a shaved head and you're going to have a tattoo on your butt. Yeah. That's, that's indeed a fact. That's what we promised. That's indeed a fact. Yes. <laughs> but um, I think 7 and 5 <laughs> is very doable. Like I said before, that's my. I think that was my prediction I gave you whenever I gave you my game by game prediction, right? Seven and five. Yes. Oh no, yeah. I gave you eight and four. Eight and four, yeah, because you had us beating Arkansas. Five. Yes. 
Yeah, I got us. Yeah, I got us going eight and four. So, in the regular season, and winning our bowl game, I really, honestly, after last night watching the simulation, I hope we play Maryland and kick their ass. To be honest with you, but. We haven't really got. We haven't really had a team where we could the last couple of the last several years, where we can say we have a chance at winning the SEC East. Mm. The last time we had that type of team was 12 years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> it might take a minute, like you said before. I, me and me, you and me both feel like Beamer is in this for the long haul. Okay, he is slowly building a culture, not a climate. Once again, he's not building no climate bull crap. He's building a culture, and that culture is going to hit people in the face hard, especially Stoopsy. Good old Stoopsy, that culture's going to hit you the, right in the face. The lesser Come of the over. two stoops. I don't know if you heard. The lesser uh, of the stoops. Yeah, if, yeah. If you heard, your 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 ass whooping is coming. All right, your your little your little tirade on Beamer. All right, your your ass whooping is coming on the first of October. Oh no, no, the eighth of October. Yeah, the eighth of October. Your 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 ass whooping is coming. Hey, you know the singing, Chris. Karma's a bitch. Okay. That it is, my guy. That karma it is. can be karma can be a bitch. And I just feel like and I do agree with that in every game this season, especially in specific games like the Clemson game and of course the Georgia State game, the Charlotte game, and the South Carolina State game, along with several others, including that team that I'm not going to mention because they live in the upstate. We have the better quarterback than a majority of the teams that we are going to play this season, and I do believe it will show. And you're confident with that 8-4, and four, correct? Right. Good deal. Yes. I'm confident in mine as well. And I just think we'll take care of business when we need to take care of business and do what we need to do this year to get to a bowl game. Mm -hmm. You got to crawl before you can walk and you got to walk before you can run. That is a fact. And my man, you spit nothing but facts, my guy. Nothing but facts. Well, thank you. And I just feel like we're gonna we're gonna take care of business, and Beamer's gonna and do do what he did last year. Shut up the naysayers, and prove once again that you can win and recruit at a high level at the University of South Carolina. He's already proven it so far, and he's gonna prove it again this year. And shut up even more naysayers. Go Gamecock to hell with Clemson. DJ, you suck. All right, I'm sorry. I mean, I hate being mean, but you do suck. All right, DJ Uangalele, suck. 
I don't care what Sweeney says. You suck. The only reason y'all went 10-3 and three is because of y'all's defense. That is a fact. All right, you have a great rest of your day. I'm going to go ahead and get over here. Got about nine minutes until the presser, so I'm going to go ahead and get over here. Robbie, I appreciate you, my guy. Thanks so much for the call. Great stuff from our friend Robbie Davis. We also had a call coming in, I think, simultaneously when Robbie called in. So if you'd like to call back in, we'd love to hear from you. 843-790-3377. Guys, I want to say thank you all so much, man, for the the love and support. Um, it's been absolutely incredible this week. The numbers, again, I obviously see the viewership, the numbers on my end. Uh, it's just been a blessing, dude. It's been awesome. It's been awesome to see. Um, obviously, you expect the numbers to, to start going up as we get closer and closer and closer to kickoff, and it just makes me so excited because I, I, I just – to think what it's going to look like, what this is going to look like as, as TDC continues to evolve and grow. And, and uh, I mean, it's just, it's just such a blessing, man. It's such a blessing. Um, guys, in case you forgot, tonight we are at Carolina Ale House in Harbison in Columbia, South Carolina. All gets going. At- Would love to see you guys out there. Six o'clock we'll be out. Dave, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I know you're close to um, Beamer's press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing fine. Um, you know, I'm, I placed a wager on when I caught the bookie at uh, five and a half wins. Um, so I took the over on it. But I'm kind of hesitant to make any type of prediction because uh, I think we can get to six. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of people aren't really thinking about is there can be a hell of a lot of improvement and we still end up with a six and six record. Um, but um, it all boils down to those four, I think it's four seniors and a junior, um, what they do on the line. Um, but um, hope you have a, a good rest of your day um, and see you Saturday. Looking forward to it, Dave. Well said. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. And, yeah, again, to to Dave's point, listen, whether you think we're going to win six games, seven games, eight games, you think we're going to win the SEC East, whatever. Your your prediction's your prediction. All good. We finally get to see the ball, see it, the questions get answered starting this Saturday. I've said it once and I'll say it again. How you win is more important, in my opinion, than how many you win this season. Because you can go eight and four, but if you get blown out in your four losses – Versus a seven and five, but your five losses were all competitive. Or let's say seven and five versus even a six and six. Guys, I'd rather go six and six and be competitive in those six games, be competitive against the Georgias, Clemsons, and AMs, than I would go seven and five, but not even be remotely competitive, just not even look like you belong on the field in those five games. How you win is what it's all about in year two of Shane Beamer. Beating the non-conference, Georgia State, Charlotte, SC State, the way you should. Beating a team like a Vandy, the way you should. Even beating a Mizzou, like you should. And then against the Floridas, the Tennessees, the A&Ms, the Georgias, the Clemsons. Playing them tough, competitive, down to the wire. You look at Steve Spurrier in his first couple of years, Ten game. Oh, must champ Packers. Beautiful. Were we winning eight, nine, ten games a season? No. 
in Muschamp, or excuse me, in Muschamp. Spurrier, God almighty. Muschamp Packers, get my mind all frazzled. My point is this. Were we winning eight, nine, ten games a year in Spurrier's first four or five seasons? No, but you look back, guys, we didn't get blown out a lot. It, it happened. Don't get me wrong. But we were competitive in a lot of games against a lot of elite competition. And again, this is not a two- or three-year project that Shane Beamer's building. This is a program he's building for the long haul, right? So, for example, you take a Nicholas Harbor. It's not just about beating Georgia. That's his official visit. It's about playing them tough into the fourth quarter, right? Playing them tough, okay? And showing a guy like that and showing recruits on the trail, hey, we're building something here. We're building something special. And you can come be a part of it. We're just a couple pieces away. That's what they did under Steve Spurrier, right? They got to bowl games. They won bowl games. They were competitive against the top teams every now and then. We were winning games we, quote, unquote, weren't supposed to win. And eventually that led to guys like Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Lattimore, Alshon Jeffrey, Melvin Ingram, Stephen Garcia, Travian Robertson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jadavion Clowney, those guys picking South Carolina because they saw not South Carolina for what it was, but what it was on the way to be. That is what Shane Beamer's doing and what he's building. So guys, don't get so caught up. Hey, we won seven versus eight. That means this versus this. It's all about how we win. It's all about how we win, how we compete. Are we competitive against the Georgias, A&Ms, and Clemsons, right? That's what it comes down to for me because, again, it's not about trying to win the SEC in year two. Where are we going to be in year five? Where are we going to be in year seven? Where are we going to be in year 10? Shane Beamer's building this thing for the long haul. So, again, how you win and lose, that's what this season for me comes down to. Because, again, guys, I've picked eight and four, but I want to see this team win with some flash. I want to see this team win with some pizzazz. I want to see this team, you know, I'm, I, last year, what was so discouraging, yeah, the bowl game was great. It made us forget a lot of the, the negatives of last season. But after Clemson, guys, before UNC happened, I think we'd all agree. We looked at last season, the 6-6, six and six, and said, well, yeah, I mean, you got to a bowl game, but, like, the way you did it was excruciating. Last second field goal to beat ECU. Beat Troy by nine points, right? Got destroyed against Georgia A&M and Clemson. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Florida and Auburn were great games. Then you lose a baffling game to Mizzou, right? You feel like you lose a game to Kentucky you should have had. You had to resort to Zeb Nolan off the bench to beat Vandy by a single point. It was ugly. You won ugly a lot. So improving the way you win, that's what I want to see this year, man. I, I don't want to see any last-second BS with Vanderbilt or, you know, taking – it starts Saturday. It starts Saturday. Set the tone for the season, you know? I, I'm not sitting here saying, well, if Carolina only wins by a touchdown, the season's doomed. But I think it's important to set the tone, man. Set the tone. You are the better football team. You have the better players. There's no debating it. Go out execute, show that, and go beat Georgia State the way that you're capable of and the way you should. Set the tone for the season. All right, guys, Shane Beamer is about to speak. Let's go ahead and 
get the screen shared here. Here we go. Let's see. Here we go. All righty. Beamer. Boom. I'm going to go ahead and put this up here, guys. Um, I'm going to turn the, or I'm going to, yeah, turn the phone lines off as well. Again, we are tuning in to Shane Beamer's weekly presser. You don't need to go anywhere. It's going to be right here. The first game week presser from Coach Beamer. Here we go. I'll stay over here in the corner for just a second. Um, anyways, guys, setting the tone is about how you win. I understand. Don't throw in the towel in the season if you don't cover the 12. But, man, check, check. man, if you want to have a big year, you'd love to set the tone and start this thing off on the right foot on Saturday. Bottom line. Bottom line. All right. I'm going to go ahead, get myself off the screen. The guys, I'll be tweeting today, through this. So you. If you want to follow along that way, let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Uh, awesome to finally be in game week. Uh, it's been a long month of practicing against each other, so super excited, uh, obviously, to now get the chance to compete. Again, um, you can think of pregame warm-ups, halftime organization, um, you know, all the different scenarios that come up during the game, in the games, things like that as well, trying to be as prepared as possible for uh, for this uh, for this. Upcoming Saturday, thought that went really well. Our players and staff had Saturday off and then right back in here on Sunday uh, to get going on um, on our normal game week as well. So had a really good practice this morning. Uh, we're off to a great start. Uh, Injury-wise, really everybody should be uh, good, to be honest with you. Kai Kroger practiced today. Christian Beal Smith did a little bit in practice uh, today. You know, fully expect those guys to be available uh, this Saturday night. The only guy that would be a little bit more of a question mark right now would be Corey Rucker. Uh, he's probably got a ways to go to be ready to go on Saturday. But we'll see what happens here over the next few days as well. But other than that, we're knock on wood in, in a really good position. Uh, Injury-wise, you know, credit uh, Luke Day and Chip Morton in the weight room and, and uh, Clint Haggard in our training room for the way that they've handled preseason, the way that our players have handled preseason. It's been really, really physical. Uh, it's been a grind. I think those two departments, along with myself, we meet regularly just to kind of map out practice and where we are as a football team. And, and they've done a good job just trying to limit some of the soft, soft tissue injuries and things like that that you normally uh, deal with this time of year. Uh, <clears throat> no, we re released a depth chart you know, yesterday. Um, we looked at it. I can assure you I didn't spend three hours pouring over it before we released it to you guys. I hate to disappoint you on that. All I would urge you is please be flexible. Uh, the way it's listed right now, it may not exactly be that way on the first play Saturday night or the first defense on Saturday night, depending on the personnel grouping that's in the game. So a guy may have an or next to his name. That's not me trying to be a pain in the butt and be difficult. That is legitimately, depending on the personnel grouping, one of those two receivers may be out there uh, in the game. Uh, or somebody that's not listed as a starter may be out there on the first play of the game, defensively or offensively. Uh, and then there may be guys that aren't on that depth chart that show up and play quite a bit, or guys that are on the depth chart and maybe don't play as much. So it's not me trying to deceive anyone. It's just we've got a lot of flexibility and a lot of depth at a lot of different positions. But for the most part, that's where uh, we we are as a uh, as a team. Certainly excited uh, to kick things off on uh, on Saturday night. Going to be a great environment, as we know. Want to congratulate uh, Tommy Suggs going into his 50th year 
in the radio booth for us. That's uh, remarkable, but what an awesome uh, accomplishment by him. And he uh, was a great friend of mine before uh, I came back here when I was here as an assistant coach. He's a great friend and, and a neighbor now here in Columbia and, and uh, certainly appreciate his support and awesome having uh, him and, and Todd uh, Ellis hitting up our radio crew again this year as well. And it's going to be great to have uh, Jadavion back this weekend as well. Um, you know, a guy that was the number one player in the country. Me and Tommy were actually talking about this last week. Very rarely do you have a guy that's the number one player in the country and then goes to a college and then ends up being the number one draft pick as well after his college career also. You know, you got a lot of guys that are number one player. I don't know how many of them ended up being the number one draft pick, but uh, certainly excited to have him back and, and uh, um, was around, obviously, during his recruitment, and it'll be a great environment and we'll have a great opportunity for him and excited for him getting honored and will be fantastic for so many of these recruits that will be here on Saturday night to see him, you know, a guy that was, was in their shoes and, and got to where they want to be. Also as well, uh, nothing like a Saturday night in Williams-Brice Stadium and, and expect Saturday night to be no different, starting with our Gamecock walk when we uh, when our players arrive here, you know, to come into the stadium, expect that to be electric and rocking. Uh, as well. I know our f players certainly appreciate that. I know I do and our coaches do as well. Uh, it's something special and, and very unique. I've been a lot of places and they have walks, but they don't have a walk like we have. And um, it's going to be awesome to be out there. It's going to be awesome to see the cockpit again down there in the end zone in the student section, our band, our cheerleaders, uh, our fans, everything that makes Williams Bryce uh, special as well. And, and need them to understand that they have a role on Saturday night as well. Our team is excited, just like our fans and, and, and everyone else are, but we have to go perform on Saturday night. So don't come out here on Saturday night just happy to tailgate and, and be in the stadium again. We need you guys to make an impact because this is a really, really good football team uh, that we're about to play on Saturday night. Um, no disrespect to Eastern Illinois, who we opened up with last year, but this ain't Eastern Illinois. And we made, a, made that very clear with our players uh, this morning, this is a team that uh, 17 of their 22 starters are juniors or seniors. So they've played a lot of football together. Uh, they beat Tennessee not that long ago. Um, they had a heck of an opportunity to beat Auburn last year at Auburn. If Auburn doesn't convert a fourth and nine, I think, uh, with, with under a minute left in the game, they lose to, or excuse me, Auburn loses to Georgia State. You know, Auburn blocked a punt for a touchdown in that game. Otherwise, it's not even a ball game uh, at the end as well. Uh, so it's a very confident team that has gone on the road in the SEC and performed very well and had an opportunity, did win one game and had very much of an opportunity to win a second game against an SEC team. Uh, on the road, uh, we've made a big point, a big point of emphasis about running the ball and stopping the run. But we'll find out how much progress we've made Saturday night. These guys were eighth in the country last year in running the football. Uh, so obviously you're going to see your service academies up there year in, year out, because that's what they do. Uh, and then beyond, after the service academies, you got to be really good at running the football to be up there. And they were. They were eighth in the country last year. Defensively, they're disruptive. Um, they set school records last year for sacks, tackles for loss, and uh, turnovers forced, if I'm not mistaken. So a very disruptive defense, a very good offense that can run the football, as they've shown, that certainly will not be intimidated uh, coming in here. 
and uh, it's it's you got a, a lot of ties actually. Uh, obviously, you know, twenty players on their team from South Carolina, including the starting quarterback. So we know what this game means uh, to them, and certainly our guys are going to be extremely excited to go play. But we have to go play well. And um, uh, again, they've been in some stadiums in the SEC. Georgia State has. Uh, Auburn was an afternoon game. Tennessee was an afternoon game. We need the experience in Williams-Brice Stadium under the lights at night. It's our first time in an SEC stadium at night, and we need this thing to be absolutely rocking Saturday night, Gamecock Nation. So counting on you from that standpoint. And any questions you guys have, I'll be glad to answer. I don't even have to ask it. I know it's quoting the Dave right over here. So Shane, I'm just going to start saying, Dave, you got it. What do you got, my man? Shane, a couple for you. Um, you know, standing up here a year from mm-hmm. your first game after that, do you feel, you know, any more nervous, anxious, that kind of thing? And the second is uniforms. I understand <laughs> you make the call on that. Just what's your thought process on them? Did the players tell you that? Or <laughs> yeah, they've been in my ears since um, uh, for a while. One of them, I won't name who. We were talking uniforms this morning. He actually wanted to know what accessories we're wearing with the uniforms as well. So I'm like, oh my God. You think in 1970, those guys are worried about the accessories they wore with their uniforms, but it's a different time. Um, uh, uniform wise, I decide. I mean, I talked to certain guys on the team. Like I said last year, David, like I wanted, I want us to be worried about how we play and how we prepare to play and not worried about what we're wearing each week. So I don't, we're thankful for the awesome uh, uh, relationship that we have with Under Armour. We're thankful that we have multiple uniform combinations, but we're not going to be wearing something different every single week. Now, does that mean that we don't, will that we won't mix it up from time to time sure we will garnet and black are our colors and we certainly can mix that in there as well but but trust me i i hear from plenty of people um uh on our uniforms and and all that and i want it to be about what we wear or how we play uh for sure but also you know want these guys to have some input uh as well so we'll see uh and then game one this year like game one last year um no less nervous you know, you're always going to be, uh, to me, I love game ones, but game ones stink in a lot of ways too. Just the preparation because there is so much unknown. And, um, you know, not that game twos are easier than game ones, but game ones because it is so new. There there's so many unknowns because you've been practicing against yourself for so long. Um, guys, it's the first time they went out – It'll be the first time they go out in an environment like that. Um, we're playing a lot of new players, freshmen, transfers uh, as well. So just the unknown. So, no, I feel like I got a better handle on things because it's my second time through, David. But as far as the nerves or any of that, no, it's still uh, still sky high. Shane, you mentioned even last week trying to get recruits out here. <clears throat> as you sit here with – prospects finally able to come back on Saturday what goes into making a, a quality and a quality experience and trip for a guy that's maybe coming in for just Friday night and Saturday and dipping after the game yeah you don't have somebody that would be here for an official visit or, or really anybody that's here uh, you know so many you know if they are coming in on Friday just the opportunity to uh, get around our players and coaches and staff 
as well as much as possible. It gives them extra time to do that, to feel what Columbia, South Carolina is like on a Friday night or, or a home football weekend. You know, certainly with it being a night game, we'll have some people that will be here Saturday and they get a chance on Saturday during the day. This is a unbelievable college town. And to be able to get out and experience what a college town is like on a Saturday leading into a Saturday night in Columbia is pretty, uh, is pretty special and a great opportunity. And then, you know, once they get to the game, it's about relationships, but certainly uh, recruits see and watch that Gamecock walk when we arrive. So the bigger and more electric and loud and wild and crazy that is, the more of an impact that makes on, uh, on these guys. And I mean, and, and I'm serious in saying that I've coached other schools where we had a walk and I was in a different conference and we talked more very recently and we talked about the walk that we had pregame and did we want recruits to watch it? And I've been in the SEC and I remember telling the head coach, I'm like, look, this guy we got coming in on this visit, he was at an SEC school last week. Like our walk is cool and all, but it ain't that. And um, it's the same thing here. So it's a difference. It's a different out, a different walk pregame environment, and then just the electricity in the stadium, the uh, the way all eighty plus thousand people, you know, feel like they're playing the game for you, and truly, you know, a uh, truly an asset uh, and a home field advantage, and then just hopefully playing well and winning, obviously helps the experience with the prospects and their families that are here. But you know, like always, Colin just being able to allow them to see what we're about, you know, as a program and and as people as well on uh, on game day and we spend a lot of time with them when the you know coaches get to the stadium on Saturday um, you know the players are getting dressed and all that but we as coaches I mean the first hour until we go out for pregame that's spent doing nothing but just visiting with recruits so you know I've got a little locker room office there at the stadium so all I do is just sit in there and just recruits come in and out and visit with them and talk and and then I get to see them out there on pre for pregame and after the game and all that as well so a lot goes into it and and um, uh, just be ourselves. Coach, what do you remember about going through the 2010 season with Coach Elliott, how special that season was? And what is your current relationship like with Sean Elliott as he comes back to Columbia this weekend? Uh, 2010 was uh, special, you know, to be uh, – to have so many great players that were um, – on that group and then to go play, you know, for an SEC championship and, and so many great moments during that season, um, beating Alabama out here and then going down to, to Gainesville and winning down there in the swamp on a Saturday night to, to clinch the SEC uh, East and, and beating, you know, who was it, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, uh, then going up to, I guess that was – at Clemson that year, right? Even number. Yeah, so playing at Clemson uh, up there on a Saturday night, and I think Antonio Allen intercepted a pass that night and ran it back for a touchdown. Is that right? All right. Um, as well, so I knew you'd remember. Uh, so a lot of great memories, you know, from that season uh, as well. And, and Sean's a heck of a football coach. <laughs> Knew that then and, and uh, you know, was a good friend. We vacationed together. Uh, during that time, I can remember taking a couple, one or two trips to the beach, you know, with he and his family. Our kids are about the same age, and he's done a great job, you know, at Georgia State. And relationship is still uh, still good, as many of you know. He's still, you know, here in Columbia. So my wife and I, we go walking all the time around Columbia, and we go walking in his neighborhood plenty and see his wife, Summer, who's awesome, out walking some. And, 
and uh, um, you know, certainly I'm a fan of what he's done at Georgia State and pull for them, except this Saturday. When you kind of pop the tape on Georgia State and start doing your initial kind of breakdown of Saturday, what jumps out at you about them? I know you mentioned their experience, but from a football sense, what kind of sticks out on first glance? Uh, they play really, really hard uh, for one. I mean, you watch them on defense. I mean, golly. I mean, they fly around and, and, and play really, really hard uh, for sure. They're disruptive. They're physical. Um, you know, talking about all those stats, all the tackles for loss, the turnovers force, the sacks, you don't do that unless you're really active and disruptive. So they're not staying in one place. I mean, it'll be a challenge for our guys because these guys on, on defense for Georgia State, I mean, they're moving and, uh, and they play good defense. Uh, I mean, Louisiana, I guess, won the Sun Belt last year and they had them shut out. I was watching it yesterday. I mean, shut out for the first half. They didn't, Louisiana didn't score against them and all these guys are back. And then offensively, obviously, the, the quarterback has got size and, and can run. And, um, you know, he's really – he can throw the football. And they got receivers with some size that can make some plays. And and uh, got a veteran offensive line. The center is a heck of a player. Um, running backs are really, really good. Obviously, one of them was here previously as a defensive back. And just a veteran group, I mean, that plays really, really hard and and uh, plays with confidence and, and a group that – Start 17 to 22 starters or juniors and seniors, they, they look like it. You know, they know what they're doing. Coach, going back to Coach Elliott, you obviously know each other and how you coach pretty well. Are there tendencies of his that you know that you're able to prepare for? And on the flip side, are there tendencies of yours that you know he'll be preparing for that you're trying to hide? <laughs> I don't think I've been a head coach long enough for the, for me to have any. Uh, maybe I do. I'll ask him after the game. I don't think there's so much tendencies with uh, with he and I. I think it's more just you know when you're playing his team, they're going to be really, really tough and physical, and they're going to play hard. And we're going to have to go play well to win the football game. Um, this will not be – easy by any stretch of the imagination and uh you know I think it's more you get into uh tendency wise it might be you know uh, uh offensive coordinator defensive coordinator coordinator those three those type of tendencies that you're looking at as far as schemes but you know certainly as you're watching the game and you see some of the things that they do during games I mean they're going to be um very very aggressive I mean they faked a punt last year against North Carolina from like fourth and 15 on their own 10-yard line you know and and that's aggressive uh so we've got to prepare be prepared for a lot of different things and and certainly uh they're coming in here fully expecting to win and that's their mentality and it should be and um you know Sean and I aren't gonna decide this game it'll be the you know players on the field they got a bunch of really good ones and so do we Chain, I think at this time last year, Luke was hurt. Zeb was like two weeks back into playing college football. <laughs> Obviously, it's a little bit of a different quarterback situation this year. I guess just what uh, – I guess how do you feel about where Spencer's at right now walking into game one and, and what he can bring and, and what do you kind of expect from him? And then I guess less importantly or maybe more importantly, what you uh, – how much input did you get on the mascot? This is uh, renaming. <laughs> um uh, Spencer, certainly different from last year for sure. Uh, you know, last year at this time, we're, you're right, we're getting ready to start a graduate assistant, and, and we're worried about that. And then his backup is a guy that had just transferred from St. Francis, and his backup was a true freshman out of high school. So that was a little bit more concerning. Not that it's not this year, but like I've said before, you've got older, more experienced guys in that room right now. But it's still – 
yes, Spencer's played in a lot of big games, but it's going to be his first time here. It's going to be his first time in a game running this offense. Uh, it's going to be his first time um, in that stadium. So there's a lot of unknowns with him. So I think the biggest thing with him and any of our guys is just go out there and just, I know it's cliche, but just do your job, be yourself. You don't have to be Superman out there and, and uh, just go, you know, take, make plays and, and execute. And, you know, he's a older guy. I know he's excited. Uh, we've had some good conversations here this week and I'm excited to go watch him and all these guys play. As far as the mascot, zero. Uh, no one asked me my opinion uh, at all. Um, I got um, um, a lot more. I don't want to say a lot more to worry about, but I'm trying to get a football team ready to play on Saturday, not chiming in on, on uh, names for sure. Shane, I wanted to ask about Spencer, too. He seems like <clears throat> when we see him, he's a very poised, easygoing young man. It, it seems unusual for 20-somethings there. Is he that way around the building? Is he that way on the field? Is he just kind of is, – is that just who he is? That's who he is. Uh, it is. And, and, you know, we want him to be himself. But there's also – got to understand, as the quarterback, you are the leader, you know, of the offense in so many ways. And we got some fantastic leaders on that offense. I mean, Javon Gwynn was a captain last year and, and other guys. And we don't need Spencer to do it all. But – He's in a leadership position for sure, and, and I've seen his uh, how vocal he is grow. Uh, he's not afraid to, to get on guys out there when he needs to. I think he does a great job of just communicating with the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs and the passing game about you know what he wants and and what he saw and things like that. There's been some good communication, so I like his mentality. It's who he is, uh, but don't you know don't don't let that mistake you for not being a fiery competitor and vocal when he needs to be. Hey, Shane. Oh, sorry, Rick. Could you elaborate a little bit more on what makes the Gamecock walk so unique and how amped up were you after your first Gamecock walk last year <laughs> as head coach? And also, uh, Georgia State, you say they play tough and hard. How much of that is a reflection of uh, Sean's personality? Yeah. Um, uh, Gamecock walk. I mean, it's to me, what makes it special is just, is you've got all these fans that are out there. I mean, we cut, we, the hotel we stay in the night before game days or before games, we, we come down interstate 77 and you cross the river and you see the stadium off in the distance. And then we get off right there on bluff road and hang a left and drive down bluff. And you start, you know, as soon as you pass the, the gas stations down there and, you start seeing people tailgating on the side of the street. And just that ride down Bluff Road is really, really, really cool because you have, you know, people cheering for you that aren't at the walk, which that's a different story. They should be, but they're, they're tailgating as well and waving and cheering you on as you go through there. And then when you get, you know, uh, to the stoplight right there and you hang a left on, what is that, National Guard Road, hang a left and then pull right in there and park just seeing the, the sea of people. And it's cool for our players as well because, you know, Bluff Road's blocked off at that point. You see the fans out in the street as you come down Bluff Road. Uh, it's a great moment for me, and I know our players just hearing them on the bus, the excitement and seeing people. And then you get off that bus, and then it's just – it's constant loud noise for the next 10, 15 minutes or whatever. It's not like, you know, you walk in this part and it's pretty quiet, and then all of a sudden the noise goes back up and then it dies down. I mean, it's loud and you can't hear yourself think the entire time. And uh, it's awesome. And it's a testament to what our fan base is about and what they're like. And, 
And uh, that's, to me, what makes it special is just the sheer noise, the sheer excitement, and, and the gratitude that you see from people uh, that are along the side there thanking you and talking to you and wishing you luck and, and whatnot. But then also the gratitude that I feel and I know our players feel for the people that take time out of their day to come out and or take time out of their tailgating and their game day to come greet the team. So it's awesome. It's great for recruiting, but it's something that will never, ever, ever get old. And then as far as how uh, hard – Georgia State plays, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's uh, to me, teams take on the personality of their head coach. And and I would say that, you know, to, I would hope people see us and, and talk about how hard we play and the effort we play with and the competitive spirit and the physicality and the toughness. But you certainly see that, you know, with them also. I mean, you guys that have been here for a while, I mean, um, they're – game days when Sean was here. I mean, I used to think we'd have to get him an IV after some pregame warm-ups, you know, just pregame warm-up. He's out there sweating and bleeding and drenched in sweat. We haven't even kicked off. And that was as the O-line coach. So now as the head coach, you, the team kind of takes on that personality as well. And he's done a really good job there. And, and um, uh, it's a testament to, you know, him. Shane, what are the areas of progress that you would like to see most uh, – you want to see most come to fruition on Saturday night? From last year to this year or just like preseason camp? Okay, like where – from now until then, where we need to really improve. Um, you know, I, th I think you, you never um, – you're never completely at ease with like timing and everything in the passing game. And we've got a lot of new faces that we're throwing to and a new face throwing to them. So you talk about, you know, Xavier Leggett and, and Jaheim and Travion, Trayvon Kenyon and, and what to carry on and Josh Van and Jalen Brooks. I mean, those guys are returning, but then you got guys like Juice Wells and you got guys like Austin Stogner and you got guys um, like, Lavoisier Carroll and Christian Beal Smith that are new and, and whoever else, Corey Rucker, that you just – a lot of new faces and just the timing of everything, getting used to each other. Certainly you want that to continue to, you know, to, 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 uh, to come along. And then uh, you guys saw the, the two deep. I mean, there's a lot of true freshmen that are listed in that two deep and continuing to get them to where – they improve and you feel more and more, not that we don't, but you feel more and more confident about them going out there in a, in a critical situation Saturday night. The more we can put those guys in those situations and prepare them and they prepare themselves uh, mentally to go play on Saturday night the way they need to play. Uh, you're talking about the player asking about accessories. Was, was he trying to wear a neck roll or a cowboy collar or something like that? Or? <laughs> I think he was talking socks and wristbands and all that. I'm like, are you serious, man? Like, accessories? Uh, no, no neck rolls. This was a wide receiver, so there were certainly no neck rolls with those I, guys. I figured that or a DB one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Jordan Strawn's obviously a bigger game for him. Uh, what are you expecting out of him on Saturday and, of course, throughout the, the next 11 games after that? Yeah, Jordan's been awesome, um, you know, since he – since he came back <clears throat> this season, I mean, he's really stepped up uh, with his leadership off the field, his play on the field, the way he's practiced, the way that he's worked, um, the way that he's gotten better on special teams. He's been awesome, you know, since January. And I know it's a, you know, cool moment for him coming back or coming and getting to play his former team. I know it's cool for Jamias getting ready to, you know, come back 
I mean, he's been there for been. I mean, I remember recruiting him when we were at Georgia, or in twenty what sixteen as well. So you got two former players on different teams coming back and playing their former teammates. But you know, in, as far as Jordan specifically, I would expect him to continue to um, do what he's done all year, and that's play really, really well and be a great leader uh, for us as well. And and don't make it bigger than it is either. You know, at the end of the day, it's about executing and doing your job and confident that, you know, he'll um, he'll do that. And, and I want to ask about Jam as well and just what you remember about him from those days. He was class of 17, like, like strong. Yeah, uh, I remember, um, you know, being at Georgia and he was right down the road at uh, at Grayson High School and and how much we liked him at Georgia and you know Kirby was Kirby liked him and the way that he played and you see that I mean the guy's just a really good football player uh the fact that he you know has got ability as a returner he's now playing running back he 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 was a defensive back so he's just one of those guys it's just a really really good football player and and um you know watching him run the football I mean it's impressive he's got a feel for it back there he's got a knack he's got great patience he's got great vision and and uh you know has had some really quality runs against some big time opponents along with the other running back you know they have back there um, as well who's a really good player coach you brought it up earlier um Jadavion coming back what does that mean to have him back and then what does it mean to have a guy like Spencer continuing the tradition of number seven yeah um have Jadavion back is is awesome anytime we get our former players back I love it and um you know we got former players on this staff we constantly have former players that are coming back to visit and watch practice it's their program. Uh, I'm just the head coach of it. And uh, to have a guy of Jadavion's magnitude to, to be back, I mean, just what that signing meant. And he took, I think it was, we didn't have a December signing period back then. So you had the February signing period, and then it was a week later or two weeks later or whatever. So it was a long time of waiting for him, you know, to sign. And But to, to sign a player of that magnitude, and it goes back to what we tell recruits now. I mean, when we won, we were, excuse me, when we were winning at a really, really high level here, we were doing it by keeping the best players in South Carolina at home. We've done that this year with the guys that are committed, you know, to us right now and, and uh, need to continue, you know, to win our share of those battles as well. But Jadavion was a great statement when he came and followed Marcus Lattimore and Alshon Jeffrey and Stephon Gilmore and guys from the previous years uh, also as well. So it'll be great to see him. And, um, you know, last time I saw him, I think I was out in Houston watching a Houston Texans practice. And so I'm excited to see him back here for sure. And then Spencer as well. I really hadn't thought about the whole number seven connection with with Spencer and, and him both. But, you know, it's great to see uh, Spencer wearing any jersey here at South Carolina. It's I guess it's even better that he's wearing seven. Shane, I know priority number one is to win the game and just get out of here without injuries. But when you look at what a successful night looks like for you guys on both offensive and defensive side, what do you want to see from both of those units to make you feel comfortable going into week two? Um, just efficiency for sure. Um, and we've talked about it with our team. And I sound like a broken record, but it's game one. It's the first time you've been through this stuff. So just – clean from a personnel substitutions um communication um defensively tackling you know tackling really well and, and let's just look like a well-coached football team and and georgia state's going to make plays you know how do we handle adversity you know it's not all going to be 
uh, great out there on Saturday night. There's going to be some adversity that we have to deal with throughout the game. How do we deal with it? Uh, and seeing how we respond to that stamp from from uh, how we respond uh, from that standpoint, you know, will be key. But that's the biggest thing, Colin, is just defensively clean with our substitutions. We're going to play a lot of players. Um, be good tacklers, you know, and offensively, same thing. We're going to play a lot of players clean with their substitutions and, and basically don't beat ourselves, you know, with just dumb stuff. I think in the Eastern Illinois game last year, one time we came out of a timeout, and I think we had 10 guys on the field. Don't do dumb stuff like that. And that starts with me and starts with us as coaches, so just really being good uh, from that standpoint. I got you. I saw your hand up there. I'm coming back to you. Can I override you on that one? He's been trying. All right. <laughs> It's a, a little bit of an out-of-the-box question here for you, but, uh, you know, 7.30 p.m. kicks, you know, you're waiting around all day. It's kind of tough for, for coaches and players, I assume, to sort of shut off the football mind. Uh, are there any genuine moments, though, of calmness on a Saturday before kickoff? Not really. <laughs> I wish. I, I love night games. I'd play at 9 a.m. every Saturday if I could. Just get up and go, you know. Um because the nerves only increase, you know, throughout the day, just sitting around waiting. And, and we have a schedule, you know, we have meetings and walkthroughs and things like that at the hotel. And, and I don't want it to be where we're just, you know, on edge for the entire day. I mean, it needs to be relaxed and, and focused. And, and it is. I mean, we, we you know, we, we, we prepare the right way to go play, you know, at night as well. But uh, I guess you try and relax as much as, you know, you can be. I'll, you know, be in the hotel room. You're preparing for the game and you're thinking about situations and, and, and getting thoughts together. But I also enjoy just, you know, watching other games during the day more so, just kind of putting myself in, this, in the, that head coach's shoes and the decision-making that they made on a certain scenario. Because you can never get as, enough, you know, practice, uh, uh, practice with that. But, no, it's a, it's a long, long, long day for sure. Yes. I won't read too much into the depth chart, but they're out of – Positions that didn't have an aura on there, a couple were uh, Marshawn Lloyd and, and Muhammad Kaba. It seemed like those are positions that could have been really up for grabs. What did those two guys do specifically to stand out and be the clear first-team guy? Yeah, um, and having said that, I mean, you'll see multiple linebackers. You'll see Mo and you'll see Sherrod and you'll see Brad and you'll see Debo uh, for sure. And then at running back, you'll see more than, than one running back. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is – They've done a great job, Marshawn and Mo, of just being consistent and productive, without a doubt. They've really elevated their games and have gotten better um, in, in, in all facets. And then I would say the other thing, too, is is they've been – the other guys at those positions, Sherrod and, and, and Christian, they've been banged up and, and haven't been 100% necessarily at every practice. And those other guys have been. Uh, and not that a guy is not starting because he's been hurt, but – um, they have been a little bit banged up here during preseason camp and just felt like uh, Mo and, and, and Marshawn deserve the opportunity to, to take the first rep if the personnel on that play suits it. They may not, depending on who's in the game as well. So we'll see. You got it. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great week.
Okay, guys, that's going to do it. Shane Beamer's presser in the books. It is game week. We're all getting ready for Georgia State, guys. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Um, we got a lot to do today. Of course, we are at Carolina Alehouse in Harbison tonight. Would love to have you guys out there in Columbia, South Carolina. We'll get rolling at 6 o'clock. We will have, <clears throat> excuse me, towels and koozies on sale. Uh, so if you want to come out and get your towels, koozies ahead of game day, please do that. The final stop of the TSUS tour tonight, guys. Very excited. And again, thank you all so much for those who have come out throughout this, uh, you know, throughout this tour, who will be there tonight, and who have made this thing such a massive success. Again, guys, we're past 2 o'clock, so I'm going to go ahead and say peace out. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Stay tuned to all the content. Content, Bleeding Out the Eyeballs, of course, podcast will drop tomorrow as scheduled. Daily Crow all week long as we continue to roll and count down the days until kickoff. Guys, have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. Appreciate you all tuning in, and we will see you all tonight at Carolina Alehouse in Columbia, South Carolina at Harbison. Y'all take care. Appreciate it.